Hi, and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. This is your host, Matthew Roberts, and we are diving into series two, episodes 133 of this podcast this year. Uh, we are diving into the Come Follow Me resources, resources for this week. Uh, it's May the 11th to May the 17th, Mosiah chapters 18 to 24. We have entered into a covenant with him. I just can't wait to share these uh, these verses. There's just so much in here. Uh, and so I hope you'll join us as we uh, go through this week and uh, try and unpick as much as we can from these valuable chapters in the Book of Mormon. We're going to begin with the uh, first section in the personal scripture study, as we usually do. Mosiah chapters 18, chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. Baptism includes a covenant to serve God and stand as a witness of him. So first of all, I want to... Um, address and talk about the chapter uh, verse one it says and now it came to pass that alma who had fled from thy, from the servants of king noah repented of his sins and iniquities and went about privately among the people and began to teach the words of abinadi now it's very important here that we understand that there's a number of time jumps a number of ge geographical jumps through these chapters we'll be looking at this week so today we are focusing on alma and the forming of his people uh, who listened to the words of king uh, sorry of uh, abinadi um, Joseph B. Werflin said this about the impact that Abinadi had. And we did touch on this last week, but I just thought it was, it was, it was an important quote to share. Uh, he said, quote, another example of the far reaching effects of an inspired testimony is that of the prophet Abinadi. The testimony he bore as he called an apostate king, Noah, and his priest to repentance is one of the most significant doctrinal discourses in the Book of Mormon. The king and his priests, except one, rejected Abinadi's teachings and had put him to death. That one was Alma. Abinadi may have felt that he that he failed as a missionary because he only had one convert, so far as the record shows. However, that one convert, Alma, and his descendants were the spiritual leaders among the Nephites and Lamanites for about 300 years. His son, Alma, became the first chief judge of the Nephite people and the high priest over the church. Alma's other descendants, who became prominent, prominent religious leaders, include his grandson, Helaman, great-grandson, Helaman, great-great-grandson Nephi, and great-great-great-grandson Nephi, who was the chief disciple of the resurrected Jesus Christ. All of this resulted from Abinadi's lone convert, close quote. I just think it's a wonderfully powerful lesson here that I remembered as, as a missionary, and, and so I took a lot of heart with, um, that even if I didn't end up baptising more than one soul, that one soul could have an impact which would last for generations. And as we see here, uh, for 300 years, in fact, it was the case with Alma. Uh, we have numerous religious leaders up to his great-great-great-grandson Nephi. Uh, and so, and perhaps beyond, we're not 100% sure. Uh, but we know of that direct lineage that they were, you know, very important and had a great... Um, a great discipleship uh, that they led uh, and so they are great examples with that we'll now jump ahead to verse 8 because this is where he's just gone out he is teaching the people and after a while they all gather to the place of mormon uh, and they want to listen to him teach and he brings up the uh, the teaching of baptism now it's interesting that um, in verse eight we have this. It says, "And it came to pass that he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus were they called. And now, as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and to be called His people, and are willing to bear one another another's burdens, that ye may be light." Um, Alma is beginning to teach this uh, practice of baptism. Uh, and clearly it's something which uh, had been important previously or beforehand. Baptisms were done, uh, and we can see records of that. Uh, and so we have here 
that Abinadi, uh, that Abinadi had taught Alma the need to have a new life, and he sees this baptism as the opportunity to do this. There were a number of things that Alma said had to be important uh, with this, and that was to make a covenant with the Lord, which we'll speak about in a minute, coming into the fold of God, redeeming them uh, as part of that baptism process. What is interesting uh, is that the name Mormon comes from the Egyptian word meaning love, desire, or wish. Uh, which again, you know, indicates the um, the reformed Egyptian, reformed Egyptian um, background of the Book of Mormon. Uh, but uh, it's interesting that we have you know that um, influence on the culture of the Nephites. Um, but the Book Book of Mormon Central published an OY about the the baptism uh, in an OY number three hundred and twenty. Why did the Nephites practice baptism? And there's just a bit from it that I want to share with you, which I thought was a really interesting uh, section. Uh, it says, quote, What may not be immediately clear to readers is that our description of the baptismal covenant is tied into the atonement of Jesus Christ, in that he asked recent converts to imitate Christ's perfect love or charity. Such love is reflected in the, in, in the Egyptian meaning of Mormon, and is also what's it, at the heart of what it means to be a Latter-day Saint, or Mormon, as some might say. Alma asks his followers to, like Christ, love one another by suffering vicariously the pains of others and having compassion on those who are in need of help and comfort. This is what the Saviour does for us and what we commit to do for others. Close quote. Interesting, again, the, the meaning of names. Why Why were, there, were they at the waters of Mormon? Um, you know, did he pick out that place specifically because the name Mormon meant love, charity? Uh, and so that is what this covenant which they were about to enter into in baptism required them to do. And that's what we are required to do today as we take upon ourselves that name of Christ is to live love, live his love. Uh, in verse nine, we taught we talked about being willing to mourn with those that mourn. I'm not going to read the whole verse, but, you know, we, we are very familiar with it, I'm sure. And I encourage you to study it. But uh, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland uh, spoke about this love and how we should mourn with those that mourn through the ministering that we do. He said, quote, brothers and sisters, we have a heaven sent opportunity as an entire church to demonstrate pure religion, undefiled before God, to bear one another's burdens that they may be light and to comfort those that stand in need of comfort, to minister to the widows and the fatherless, the married and the single, the strong and the, and the distraught, the downtrodden and the robust, the happy and the sad. In short, every one of us, because we all need to feel the warm hand of friendship and hear the firm declaration of faith. However, I warn you, a new name, new flexibility and fewer reports won't make an ounce of difference in our service unless we see this as an invitation to care for one another in a bold, new, holier way, as President Nelson has just said. As we lift our spiritual eyes toward living the law of love more universally, we pay tribute to the generations who have served that way for years. Let me note such a recent example of such devotion in hopes that the legions will, be more, will more grasp the Lord's commandments to be with and strengthen our brothers and sisters, close quote. And he went on to share an example of an individual that had that spirit of ministering before it was even called ministering. We know that um, this is why they, they are encouraged to make this covenant. And we know that a covenant is made when we when we are um, invite, in, in, accepted into the waters of baptism. Sister Bonnie D. Parkin, in October 2002, in a talk called With Holiness of Heart, spoke about these covenants and the importance of them. She said, quote, 
Covenants or binding promises between us and Heavenly Father are essential for our eternal progression. Step by step, he tutors us to become like him and enlist us, enlisting us in his work. At baptism, we covenant to love him with all our hearts and love our sisters and brothers as ourselves. The in the temple, we further covenant to be obedient, selfless, faithful, honorable, honorable and charitable. We covenant to make sacrifices and consecrate all we have. For through the priesthood authority, our kept covenants bring blessings to fill our cups to overflowing. How often do you reflect that your covenants reach beyond mortality and connect you to the divine? Making covenants is the expression of a willing heart, keeping covenants the expression of a faithful heart. Close quote. These covenants are important. They are promises between us and our Heavenly Father. And as we've learned so many times through the Book of Mormon, promises were a key um, thing. They, they were not to be broken, as we saw with Nephi and um, and the uh, servant of Laban, Zoram. Uh, and we see it so many times as well in other stories through the Book of Mormon. Do we take those seriously? Do we remember them? How are we keeping those covenant, co those promises today? And how does keeping those covenants help us be filled with the Spirit? We just learned previously that there is a an, in, an unchangeable link between our covenants, between the baptism and the atonement. How do those work together to allow the Spirit to be into our, enter into our hearts more effectively? Uh, I do want to speak briefly about the mode of baptism that was done. We know in verses 13 and 14, we see Alma baptizing Helam and being baptized himself. Um, President Joseph Fielding Smith said this, quote, We may conclude that Alma held the priesthood before he, with others, became disturbed with King Noah. There, whether this is so or not makes no difference, because the book of Mosiah is stated definitely that he had authority. If he had authority to baptize, that is evidence that we have been that he had been baptized. Therefore, when Alma baptized himself with Helam, that was not a case of Alma baptizing himself, but merely as a token to the Lord of his humility and full repentance. Close quote. I think that's an important point to make because when we do read that, it is a little it strikes us a little odd that Alma would baptize himself along with Helam, considering that in order to have the authority to baptize, he would have to be. Well, for instance, holding the priesthood and therefore be baptized and entered and having entered into that covenant. But of course, as President, uh, Fielding, President Fielding Smith explained, um, this is likely just an indication from Alma that he is showing to the Lord a recommitment uh, to his um, to his covenants that he has made previously in, in receiving the priesthood, which he obviously had as he had authority to baptize. Uh, and we see that this authority to baptize was recognized. Uh, because we know that in Mosiah chapter 21, um, that the people of King Limhi wouldn't form a church because they were waiting for this authority that Alma had, who had fled into the wilderness. And of course, the other priests that would have had that authority were gone and had obviously disassociated themselves with that priesthood in their actions with King Noah and then later actions in, well, we'll find out later. That's a, a bit of a spoiler warning there. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed the study today. And I learned a bit more. I certainly have. And I've tried to recommit myself to that, as we should do every week when we partake of the sacrament. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please share your thoughts. at um, You can share them uh, on e by email, session at gmail.com. And you can also uh, share them on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ, study session with Come Follow Me. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again.